0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles.
1: Hi, I'm Patty Lepone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
2: Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30 day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrialcom Cheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrialcom cheese. Andrew, do you want to talk about our Patreon patrons?
1: Absolutely, they're all they're all fantastic. Uh, well, we got a whole list of them right here. Hang on, let me just read this off. We have Stephanie L, Terry Needleman, uh, Max Lunig, Benjamin Lehrer, uh, Chris O'Kelly, Lily Ackles, Danielle Renix, Mackenzie Horner, uh, Taryn the Duck. I think I nailed it that time.
2: That's a real <laughs> duck. Um, <laughs>
1: Melissa Goldman, uh, Jess Lightning. Who is a better Jess? The, the better,
2: Jess. She is always the better, Jess.
1: <laughs> um, Ewan Cassidy and Haley McDonald.
2: We love you all, and they Ooh. are so incredible and getting a lot of cool things right now. They just got a Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat um commentary,
1: which was a fantastic show. I don't know if our commentary is <laughs> good, but the show is oh really good. Oh
2: my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's just me getting angry that Andrew's enjoying himself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Boo, and
0: Joseph Colors.
2: All the colors, but these guys give us a little financial support that helps us keep the lights on. And we've already put that money towards a brand new mic arm for Andrew. So you won't be hearing him jostling around as much anymore. And a lot of cool things we have coming up. So you guys are making our show better every day. So thank you very much. Andrew, talk about our affiliate links. So we can oh, get this one more
1: thing. With. Yes. In the description of all of our episodes, there is a link to Amazon. If you click that link and buy something, we will receive a portion of whatever you spent uh no, it doesn't cost you any extra so if you want to give us money in that way
2: um almost everyone in this listening to this right now has their phone in their hands so they should use it to, to go and tell a friend <laughs> to listen to our show send it to a friend and say one thing that you love about it and a reason why other people should listen
1: let's let's start the actual show right jess let's go <laughs> <laughs> yeehaw
2: I'm Jesse McAnally and I'm Andrew DeWolf and welcome to musicals with cheese a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater and Andrew we have an incredible guest today we have such musical a good th- guest we have musical theater historian <laughs> teacher performer and creator of web series um stealing focus Emily Clark hey howdy howdy y'all are you y'all.
1: gonna teach us anything I can't wait to actually learn something on this show
0: oh y'all I'm from SoCal. I don't know why I'm doing the boys.
1: It sounds more like a Tennessee, Oklahoma kind of accent.
2: They say we belong to the land. (laughs) And the land we belong to is ground. PI, a PI. So I think we've blown our load a little bit on this. But Emily, what are we talking about today?
0: So we're talking about Oklahoma with an exclamation point. You must always remember the exclamation point. Uh, It's important. uh,
1: Stylization is important.
0: Yeah, by Rodgers and (laughs) Hammerstein.
2: Oklahoma is the first musical written by the team composer Richard Rodgers and librettist Oscar Hammerstein II. The musical is based on Lynn Riggs' 1931 play Green Grow the Lilac, set in farm country outside of the town of Claremore in Indian Territory in 1906. It tells the story of a farm girl, Lori Williams, and her courtship to two rival suitors, cowboy Curly McLean and the sinister and frightening farmhand Judd Fry. A secondary romance concerns a cowboy, Will Parker, and his flirtatious fiancée, Aido Annie. Mm-hmm. The original Broadway production opened in March 31st in 1943. It was a box office smash and ran for an unprecedented 2,212 performances, later enjoying an award-winning revivals, national tours, foreign productions, and an Academy Award-winning 1995- 1955 <laughs> film adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> that like, has wait, been like... the most... It has been a popular choice among school and community productions mm-hmm. as well. The Rodgers and Hammerstein also won the Pulitzer Prize for Oklahoma in 1944, which is highly no, they, unprecedented. They as didn't well.
0: win the Pulitzer Prize for Oklahoma.
1: They won a special Pulitzer Prize Jess. even oh. you wrote
0: that.
2: A special Pulitzer <laughs> Prize for Oklahoma. <laughs>
0: they won the Pulitzer for South Pacific. They sure yeah, know a-
2: that. I didn't know that either. <laughs> but now <Yeah.
1: laughs> See, we've <laughs> already learned something, this Jess. This is why, why I'm here. Thing.
2: <laughs> now emily is significantly smarter than both andrew and i combined so i'm very interested to know
1: <laughs> what she has to say about oklahoma wow th- thanks for that jess speak for yourself i'm at
0: least a know-it-all <laughs> let's say that about stuff like that
2: that's great so tell yeah. us a little about a bit about your history with oklahoma
0: well okay uh so i you know this is a show i've never done i've taught it a lot i've taught students songs from it and I've known about it uh, since I was very young. Um, my, uh, my mom started a musical theater summer program when I was a kid. And our first year, it was a review of Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. So in the mid-90s, when most kids were listening to like the Green Day album, I was like, I gotta binge all the Rodgers and Hammerstein classics. So I became obsessed with all those shows. And um, Oklahoma has always been very interesting to me because a lot of people, you know, when I bring it up, they give the Ugh, Oklahoma, you know, they turn their nose up at it and they sneer. Um, they go, I hate that show because they probably did some more like
1: Oklahoma.
0: Crappy... Oh, my God. Am I
1: right? <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> it's because they probably remember some like horrible high school production they did. And um, kind of a lot of the really great stuff about the show tends to go over people's heads or um, the fact that it is so important in the history of musical theater. It kind of changed the game in terms of how we write musicals. So I've always uh, liked to champion that. And then ever since the revival, uh, Oklahoma's kind of been cool again. So, you know, they didn't change a single word in that revival. So I've been proven right. It's a good show. Damn it. but they
2: added a few things like assless chaps
0: oh they they added a lot of things but none of the text is changed which is very exciting now
2: andrew this is your first time experiencing oklahoma and i sent you um the more recent production their cast album as well as the 1999 um hugh jackman video what'd you think oh, yeah, of all the hugh that jackman one
1: well i like most of the songs and i like some of the story stuff but it, it feels very yeah <laughs> I don't know. It seems like, it, especially at the beginning, it kind of drags. There's not a lot that happens early on. Uh, but once it gets going, it's pretty good.
2: Um, I, I'm willing to agree with both of you in a way. I think it's a very important piece in the grand scheme of musical theater history, but I don't think it has aged nearly that well, and I don't mm-hmm. even think it is Rodgers and Hammerstein's best work, let alone one of the greats of musical theater. mm
0: you, you don't Ooh, think it's one that, of the greats said? of musical theater?
2: I would not rank this among the greats of musical theater, sadly enough. Okay. It is historical. It is important. But I do not think it has aged well. Okay. I think things, even even something like Carousel, as problematic as that is, has aged a little better than this.
0: Ooh, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Woof.
1: And I completely <laughs> and understand I why everyone- Oh, fight, fight, fight. <laughs>
0: no, no fighting. <laughs>
1: So this Jess, is an old argument.
2: Didn't age well. Though. I think a lot of the things from the original musical comedies are still here and they're just very blatant and they stand out like a sore thumb, as well as the musical theater structure that is basically defined in this is not developed into the way that we are used to as well, especially when we get to things like Sound of Music, Carousel, South Pacific and all that.
0: Well, can I um, can I give you a little history lesson right now of why? I'm Let's go. It. Okay. So let me (laughs) take, let me take y'all back. Let me take you back to pre-1943. So in fact, I'm going to take you back even earlier to 1927 with a little musical called Showboat. And Showboat was written by Jerome Kern and our buddy Oscar Hammerstein II. He wrote the lyrics. Now before Showboat, pretty much musicals were not what we think of them today. Uh, There were very much in the style of musical reviews, almost. Um, like a vaudeville with, style. Exactly, like vaudeville. Um, it was based, sometimes there was like a story, uh, a lot of times it was like shenanigans, song, shenanigans, song, loosely connected. And a lot of the great uh, musical theater composers that we think of, like the Gershwins or Irving Berlin, wrote musicals in that style because this was before rock and roll. So pop music was essentially musical theater music with show tunes. And you wouldn't listen to stuff on you know the radio, you'd buy sheet music and sit around the family piano and sing these songs. So these shows were showcases for the hits. So Richard Rogers had been writing with a guy named Lorenz Hart, Larry Hart, Rogers and Hart, and they wrote a bunch of musicals you've probably heard of, and a bunch of standards you've probably heard of. And then Oscar Hammerstein writes the show, Showboat. And Showboat was the first musical that kind of took the, well, we used to call them, they used to call them musical comedies, but you couldn't really call Showboat a musical comedy. It deals with very serious subject matter. Um, It has an integrated cast. It's very deep. Um, So we get to the 1940s and Hammerstein's been kind of washed up for a bit. You know, He hasn't had a hit in a while. And Richard Rogers' partner, uh, Larry Hart, he is in the closet. He's an alcoholic. He's coming to the end of his life. He's like, drinking himself to death. So Rogers is like, okay, I gotta move on. So these two kind of titans at the height, well, kind of like who had all these decades of experience decide, hey, let's team up and let's write this show. And they wrote the very first show where the songs follow the story. If you take the songs out of, let's say a show like Anything Goes, the story still makes sense. It's still like shenanigans, and then it's like, you're the top, and it doesn't add anything to the story, but it's fun. But with Oklahoma, it was the first time you had the songs driving character development, um, songs driving the story. It was the very first time, instead of just like a tap break, you know, where a bunch of people do some amazing dancing, they had dance as an integrated storytelling element. So, uh, you know, the Dream Ballet by Agnes DeMille, uh, the top of the, uh, the, sorry, the end of the first act. So all these things that we kind of take for granted now were positively revolutionary at the time. And a lot of composers were super skeptical about it. They called them situation shows. Like Irving Berlin was like, I don't trust this. Whatever, I'm going to write Annie, get your gun. So, And then meanwhile, like younger generations of composers like Comden and Green and, you know, um, Bernstein were looking at this Oklahoma and were like, holy crap. It was like Hamilton to them. It was like, comp- or Hair. You know, it's a, it's a show that completely redefines the genre and then everything that came after it, it's, you know, it kind of is defined by it. So Rogers and Hammerstein were able to kind of up themselves with each musical they wrote, uh, with the exception of some crappy ones we don't talk about, but like, um, Oklahoma, <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma, you know, if it is the weakest of their sh- catalog, it's for a reason, It's because with each one, they pushed the envelope a little bit more, a little bit more. And arguably Sound of Music was, well, not arguably. The critics were like, it's cheesy. It's like, what is this? These are the guys who wrote South Pacific. Now they're giving us this like happy little story. (laughs) I know. And then it was the biggest hit they ever had. So, you know, and then um, Hammerstein died right as it came out. He died in like 1959. Um, So he didn't even get to deal with the film. That's a tangent. Anyway, so... uh, it's interesting that you're like, it's kind of like these old musical, it's the structure of these old musicals, which it is, but like, there are older musicals before that, that we don't even do anymore, because Oklahoma just completely changed the game and changed the structure. And um, there are also things about it that I like that uh, can, you know, can vary from production to production. You know, I have always liked, Or I hate it when people don't get that Edo Annie is like a sex positive, fun character. Um, She just likes to have sex. She likes to bone. And I like that she likes to bone. And in the end, she kind of gets the final say on it. Um, And that's kind of crazy in the 40s where you had, you know, (laughs) women weren't exactly celebrated like that on stage. Um, And it, it can come down to direction in a lot of ways, but the revival that I saw with, um, Allie Stroker, she was like, oh my God, she was such a hit. She was like a little Dolly Parton. She was just like, whatever, like having a rip roaring good time with all the cute boys on stage. And I was like, yeah, this is a blast. So, um, it's, uh, it's an important musical in our history and it's important to know about. And, um, I think the revival really helps to kind of make some of it relevant. You know, they cut a lot of, I guess what you would say, uh, trim a lot of the fat out of the revival. Um, It's not quite as long because there aren't huge extended dance numbers. Um, There's like a cast of like 10 instead of like 40. Um, The Dream Ballet is insanely different. Uh, So there are different ways to do it. Um, And I like that they mess with it because I like I feel like it's one of those things like almost like Shakespeare at this point is like, if you're going to do it, don't just do the same old thing. Let's try to deconstruct. Let's try to, uh, find out what was so exciting and relevant about it in the first place. And I think the revival does that pretty well.
2: So yeah, that was your little history lesson. (laughs) And I'm inclined (laughs) to agree with you on every single fact there. Um, but the one thing that I do want to bring up that this was actually said to me in the one musical theater class I took in my undergrad. Um, When they brought up Oklahoma, and they used a really interesting film comparison, um, they compared Rodgers and Hammerstein's Oklahoma to D.W. Griffith's um, Birth of a Nation, where, yes, it did set up a lot of things that are now important for filmmaking and all that, and same for musical theater, but that does not mean that it should be as revered
1: as some of the work that came after it that's quite a strong comparison there. I know I was equally <laughs> as baffled. I
0: wouldn't say it's like birth of a freaking nation and like uh, but I get yeah, what there's you're not saying.
1: really that much racy stuff in it I mean there's like a little bit but
0: no <laughs> no know. not at all there's not at all um, but you well, know I it's, think it was more it's like in the time of
2: show. oh yeah <laughs> But I the think revival is. And the statement of things that yeah. we're taking from it. I, I were understand, influential. yeah.
0: Sure, sure, sure. And you know what? You don't have to like Oklahoma. Like, you know, you can like what you like. <laughs> and and it, if a musical doesn't connect with there's plenty of old musicals that I'm supposed to like. There's plenty of new musicals I'm supposed to like that I don't connect to. But um, that's the fun thing about musical theater history is to, like, kind of find these tentpole moments and see where kind of things shifted. Because it's so, when I teach this class to students, it's almost insane to them that the structure of musicals were just so completely different than what we're used to today and at the time they were just like what this is what it is this is entertainment so um it's just fascinating to me and um and I like it I think there's a lot of fun stuff in the show and it's always great to you know there's a reason why high schools do it all the time it's simple enough and it has a lot of parts
2: I do have a question about the new revival vocal, yeah, because that has brought a lot of controversy to it and I have not seen it yet. I do hope to see it one day
0: Oh, like, It's so cool. It's um, so cool.
2: But Andy Hammerstein, um, a, one of um, Oscar's descendants, mm-hmm. had this to say about it. And I'm curious. And it inspired me to make a video about it a little while ago. Mm-hmm. I abhorred it. It was an irresponsible travesty masquerading as experimental. Up is not down. Sadist Curly shoots sweet victim Judd in cold blood. I am utterly disgusted that Rogers and Hammerstein lack the balls to stop this. I urge everyone to keep their money in their pockets on this one. Let it die the ignominious death it (laughs) deserves.
1: Well, That's a yikes moment.
0: That is a yikes. I mean, (laughs) it is... There was stuff about it that I didn't like, for sure. There were um, heartfelt moments that I felt they kind of... Made really serious and somber and almost aloof, uh, where I felt like they didn't need to be. Um, and there were a couple other moments like that, but I'm glad Oklahoma is finally. I don't know, I kind of like that it gets such a visceral response from someone because usually people are just like, Oh, you know, this is like twinky twinkly little bleh 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 show about cowboys or whatever. Um, and uh, you know, I think. I don't know if Oscar Hammerstein would have liked it. I think he was all about pushing the envelope. He was, you know, a big old, like, liberal who wanted to change things and try new things so i th- certainly think he wouldn't be against it um you know there was the the most other notable production of oklahoma i can think of in recent years was in um oregon a couple of years ago and they did a version where they changed the genders of a lot of the characters uh and they got permission from rogers and hammerstein from because rogers and hammerstein owns the rights to their own stuff so they got permission from it all they had to do was change pronouns. And so I think Curly was a black woman. Lori was a white woman. Uh, Ado Annie was Ado Andy. Um, Will was a black man. And Aunt Eller was a trans woman. And they gave them the permission to do that. So I think even if, yeah, I mean, like he didn't like it. And I could definitely see why some people wouldn't like it, especially people who have a fondness for the original show and people who might have been alive when the original show um, came out. Uh, but uh I don't know, I'm kind of like, let's burn it down. Let's try new stuff and see what sticks. Cause there was a lot about the characters that I thought was new and interesting and I didn't realize before until I saw this. And I guess like with any art, it depends on the director and the direction. This is the direction they wanted to take it. I love that they have this small, uh, they have like a maybe mm, six to eight piece combo, like string combo, country combo on the stage, playing all the music. And so while hearing the show with a lush orchestra is amazing, like hearing just really like kind of the down home, stomp in your boots, country stuff side of it was amazing. Like, and it really got the audience going, especially when they sang the title song, when they sang Oklahoma. Um, and uh, like the dream ballet is so weird, it's so completely the opposite of the intention. And I could kind of of the original intention of the original production. And I could kind of feel a lot of the older people around me kind of being like, what the fuck am I watching? Whereas I was sitting there kind of like, <laughs> yeah, kind of squinting going, OK, I don't know if I like this, but I'm intrigued by this.
1: I'm curious. So, what, did they, what did they change about it? Because I haven't seen. the. OK, revival. so
0: the original is uh, all it's. It's Lori going into her like basically like I don't know what is it like, yeah her, her
1: she goes into the cornfield stupor. of her <laughs> mind
0: yeah yeah she gets that <laughs> elixir of Egypt from the peddler man and then she drinks it and then um she has like a dream sequence and it's basically her debating between uh, Curly and Judd and uh it kind of shows the romantic side of Curly but also how like the Judd side is like scary and sexy. Um, and then at the end, she kind of sees what could happen if she ends up with him. And it's full of these, this really iconic choreography that, you know, just like kind of like Fosse choreography or Jerome Robbins, like that choreography is just so in musical theater. It's well known. Um, and so first of all, they ended the first act without the dream ballet. So she sings into a dream with you. And it was like intermission, have some cornbread and chili. And I was like, crap, oh my God, they cut out the Dream Ballet. Okay, so we're really doing this. So then we come back for act two and the Dream Ballet is now at the top of act two. And instead of like a whole Dream Ensemble, it's one girl. She's only in this dance number. She is short. She's African-American. She's bald. She's wearing a big oversized t-shirt that says Dream Baby Dream. And she do- and it's, crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So like where the original was using dance, As a literal storytelling technique, this production is like, let's make it all interpretive. So it's kind of like these opposite choices. And then the score, as far as I could tell, it's still the same entire music, the orchestration, but they do a bunch of crazy shit with it. Like play it on top of each other, minor keys, like it's crazy. She has a couple moments where she does the iconic choreography, but the rest is just so, it's just like an an interpretive dance. Um, <clears throat> it's crazy. Uh, I still don't know if I like it, but I was Sounds a little
1: avant-garde. I don't well, know. Well, It
0: was very avant-garde. So, uh, it was a choice <laughs> and, um, it, I mean, it was a beautiful dance. It was interesting to watch and there was a point being made with it. I'm not sure if I know what it is, but, uh, it was a choice. And, you know, if you've seen Oklahoma a million times, it definitely kind of throws you for a loop, which I think is it's got to be the intention behind it. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, so one of the things that I really like that this production does, which I don't think a lot of productions have done before is they really play up the fact that Lori is attracted to Judd and that's scary for her. Cause it's dangerous. Um, and in other productions, I've always been like, I don't know. Like, he seems really into her, but she seems not so into him. I don't know what her problem yeah, is. Like, pretty... obviously, pick Curly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> why would you yeah. pick this guy? Uh,
1: uh, he's like a weird so creepo. Who is it? He's barn. a super creepo.
0: <laughs> and and um, don't. And this production kind of plays up that she is attracted to him. They do have like a few moments where you're kind of like, oh damn oh shit <laughs> Ooh. uh and i i really liked that um they went with a completely different casting choice for judd um you know usually it's like a rod steiger guy like big beefy kind of guy and this guy was very like delicate and skinny and like had kind of long hair he looked like a I mean, he was like really handsome, but he looked like the kind of guy who would like be on the Internet all day, you know, just kind of like <laughs> a little more of an outsider, like a little more. And that's kind of what this production does. They play up that he's an outsider and they don't trust him. Um, and it's, you know, it's a choice. It's a neat way to kind of point out some of the elements of the show that have always been kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this. Like it makes it less of like, he's the villain and a little more complicated. Uh, which I thought was interesting, um, and again, some people are going to like it, some people are not. I don't know. I thought. It was Did cool. you
2: feel that our uh, Curly was a sadist for murdering Judd?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So what? This. Shut ex-
1: first, guys. Okay.
0: Yeah. So. Oh my god. <laughs> well, <laughs> so let me explain because he doesn't actually explain that very well. So what? What happens in that moment is um, Judd. Uh, comes back in, they're all like having their wedding and instead of him like doing that whole like, hey, I want to kiss the bride like screaming shit that he does like in the movie, he comes in and he's like very quiet and sweet and he's like, here, I got a present for you. He walks over to Curly and he hands him a gun and then he goes over to Lori and kisses her and then he like stands in front of both of them and then basically takes a step like he's gonna go for them and then he shoots him. So it's like, it's like suicide by cop almost, but um, except it's Curly. And then in the next scene, the next scene was fascinating because it's the let's do the courtroom in the living room scene so Curly can go off to his honeymoon. And Kangaroo usually that time. Oh, God. And usually that scene is just <laughs> a little too. I know. It's just a little too like. Um. Happy for what just happened, and so the
2: you know
1: like Judd's dead. Who cares? You are like (laughs) no, no,
2: Andrew. Judd is dead. Judd is dead. Judd is is dead.
0: But in the revival, what they do is they um again they keep all the lines the same, but the intention the actors all have is we're all gonna say this is what happened because this is what happened, right? We are getting our story straight, right? So it's like you saw him. You saw him. He, you know fell on his own knife you know he ran it curly you saw it and so that i thought was like really a cool take on that scene um and they do a really kind of cool effect too with that gunshot like it kind of comes out of the floor somehow so or he shoots judd and then this like blood spray sprays all over laurie and curly and they're in their wedding whites <laughs> covered in blood <laughs> 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 oh shit! I'm not drenched. It's like a delicate spray. But oh, it I tell the, the audience too. Like...
1: It's, is this in 4D or <laughs> is this I mean, like Evil <laughs> Dead the other thing,
0: Yeah, it's in the. It's a, kind of in the round. So no, it doesn't spray on anyone other than them. It's very, it's very strategic. And from where I was seated, I could only. I kind of just figured out it was a thing on the floor. It looked really cool. um But yeah, it's a. <laughs> Again, it's like a wait. I don't know. Taking this show that was never really that dark and kind of pulling the darker elements out of it, which I think is
2: cool. That's fucking so cool sounding.
1: It's crazy. About as far as they can go.
0: About as fur as they can go.
2: (laughs) Oh man. So I guess now I we've talked about the revival. We've talked about the original a little bit. Um, I just want to know what your general like thoughts and other things you want to say about the content in general, like ignoring like pro- specific productions.
0: Oh, just like, like what do I like-, like about Oklahoma? That-
2: yeah, or dislike. Even.
0: Or dislike. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, it, you know, it's so fun. I, 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 this is one of the scripts I read with my musical theater history students, and um, it's always fun to read it with kids because we always get to the poor Judd is dead scene. And they always end it going, wow, Curly's kind of a dick, huh? Like, why are they t- why is he taunting this guy? And I'm like,
1: yeah. That's what I thought too. He like he just goes is. in he's like, You should kill yourself.
0: I know. <laughs> Bet you won't do
1: it. Bet you <laughs> won't do it.
0: I know. And then in the revival, it's it's makes it even sadder because Judd is so sad. But in the original productions, you're like, oh, Jed's a creep, whatever. But I always thought the lyrics in Poor Judd is Dead are so funny. I think no one really like <laughs> thinks about how funny they are. Like, it's like, oh, it's yeah. a shame that he won't keep, but it's somewhere and we're running out of ice. <laughs> I, don't, I think that's a really funny line. <laughs> we want to cry over his corpse longer. Come on. Um, I, uh, let's see. I, I mean, I, I, one of my dream roles is Ado Annie. I'm not going to lie. I can't believe I haven't played her yet, but I really love all of her stuff with will. Um, it, it's funny when I watched the Hugh Jackman version, I kind of got really into the relationship with Laurie and Curly because like in the movie, and the original, they're just like cutesy cute. But in that 99 revival, that was the first time you kind of see the real playful nature between them and they're very comfortable with each other. And their version of people will say we're in love is a lot more like. Uh, it's it's a lot more sarcastic. They're all, you know, all the lines are them kind of digging at each other, which added a whole new element to it, which I had never seen before. Um, I mean, you know, it's so funny. I, I I already said it, but I really didn't realize, like, how... I don't know. Rodgers and Hammerstein are so in our DNA as Americans in a lot of ways. Like even if you don't know the musical Oklahoma, you probably know the song Oklahoma or at least like the first line of it or something. Um, and so when I saw the revival where, <clears throat> excuse me, where I was at um, Circle in the Square. So everything's in the round and just seeing the audience all around singing along every word and stomping and doing all the yippee eyes in the background. I was kind of like, see, this is kind of cool. Like this is a, some kind of thing that unifies us and it's because this show has been around so long. Um I I I also do really like the the revival kind of is just kind of I don't know. Like it's kind of going like this ain't your grandpa's Oklahoma, man. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> I think that's it's literally like, its catchphrase. Feel, so, yeah. I know. And it's like pissing off the old folks. I'm kind of like, yeah, because musical theater can do that because the musical theater goes through phases like that. Um, and so it, it was only a matter of time before this show got its inevitable, like revamp reboot. And, um, there's elements about it that you can tweak as opposed to like carousel, which don't get me, I just did a video where I listed off the musicals that have made me cry and carousel always makes me cry. It's probably my favorite Rogers and Hammerstein score. But like, what's the use of wondering as a garbage song. And like the yep. message at the end is garbage, even though there's parts of it that are so good. So, you know, I
2: it's like getting hit by an angel. <laughs> yeah,
0: right, right. And it's like, I guess he gets to go to heaven now because he well, I don't of know. Of course he
1: does. He beats he his talk to children. her. And, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, Billy. Billy Bigelow. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I, I I, like Oklahoma. But like when people when people I, I, I like to tell people that it's important and if their opinion isn't changed then that's totally fine but i do like to go Ugh, you know that it's a really important musical and musical theater history um so i think appreciating is good like you don't have to appreciate the music man but you know what <laughs> I mean, of course I, you
2: have to appreciate the music hey, man
0: hey i effing love the music man do not music get really me good. wrong I love The Music it's Man, but good. that's another one. That's one with Oklahoma. I always hear people going, oh, I hate that one. And I'm like, I don't know. I
1: kind of like them both, but I get it. They're too Whoever, cheesy for me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. The Music
1: Man doesn't have a soul. I mean, that's true. That Hugh is Jackman's true. about is to no do that soul. one,
0: too.
1: See, but Hugh Jackman has a soul, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman's going to ruin is... that almost as bad as Matthew Broderick did.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, wait, Jesus. I have to... Oh, no. So <laughs> no one can ruin it that bad.
1: No. <laughs> Matthew oh, Broderick whoa. ruined it pretty badly
2: <laughs> 76 Matthew Trump Broderick bounds.
1: definitely doesn't have a soul let's just be clear here and we keep putting him <laughs> in musicals he murdered like why? 6
2: people let's be fair
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh Matt stop doing uh, musicals
2: <laughs> yes please you did the producers that's all we needed from that's you. all we You're needed gonna,
0: and you were so whiny give us I your I card
2: know <laughs> yeah, right Give us your equity card. You're not allowed to be back on stage.
0: God, he was in that horrible A Christmas Story live too. Oh, fuck, I
2: forgot about that. Which Wait, is already what?
0: like, oh, it's it's already a really horrible <laughs> musical, and he was the narrator character. So he'd pop out and be like, mm, Red Reiner, BB gun, Matthew
1: Broderick.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know, uh, Christmas, man, whatever.
2: He, he forgot his lines a couple times, too. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> yes. He was not even trying. No, no. He was,
1: he was so basic. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking Matthew Broderick.
2: All right. Andrew, do you have anything that you want to say about Oklahoma before we move on
1: to the next topic? I like Ali, Ali Hakim, I think is his Ali name. Like, yeah. Ali, Ali Hakim! Yeah! Ali Hakim! I, I love like Ali him. Hakim He's too. the best character
0: he's so funny he is he's so funny he has the best one-liners in the show
1: everything he does like the part where he has to give like fucking hundred dollars just to uh not oh. get married <laughs>
2: Right, so
1: dumb. it's a reverse dowry yeah
0: will's like, like that's a lot of a money sick. too
1: i'm like where did he even get all that money
0: <laughs> he's a peddler he scammed
1: it out of people that's true that's true he sells
0: that elixir of egypt stuff
1: yeah but that's like four dollars like he's that's a hundred dollars he just dished out
0: i know right and they're selling (laughs) baskets for like two bits it's crazy
1: (laughs) like oh my god
2: i know i'll trade you my gun for that
0: that basket i know i love that part oh in the revival their hampers are all like blue igloo coolers and the whole show everyone's cracking bud lights it's amazing
1: Man, finally a show I can get drunk Bud at. Bud Light is the most American drink that there and is. And those little
0: igloo coolers, it's great. <laughs> like I, I, the whole time I'm sitting there, I was just like, "Damn it, I really want one of those." Those look really good. Is
1: the revival like modern day? Like that was one thing I was a little confused on. <sighs>
0: yeah, it is. It's very much like now. Everyone's like, just like, like a... in, they're just like in jeans and jeans and flannels. Um, uh, Ally Stroker as Ato Annie. She's got like she's got like these little like butterfly clips in her hair and like little cutoffs and cowboy boots. And then Ali Hakim, he's just like, kind of in like, like a really schlubby suit, like, (laughs) like a real (laughs) suit with like a loose tie. And everyone else is just like, yeah. Oh yeah. And everyone else is just (laughs) kind of like basic cowboy, like, like actually working on
2: the farm. Um, So are you team Ali Hakim or team Ali Hakim?
0: Well, that's what they say.
2: Well, it would be Ali
0: Hakim, but everyone in the show, because they're all from Oklahoma, they are all like, Ali Hakim Ali Hakim yeah. <laughs> I know. It should be like Ali Hakim, but, you know.
2: They say everything wrong
0: in Oklahoma. No,
2: no. I don't care. care. Give me your money.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They say
1: everything wrong, and they spell everything how they say it. Oh, <laughs>
2: Hi, guys. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial <laughs> membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese to get started today. Um, this week, I am recommending The Secret Life of the American Musical, How Broadway Shows Are Built by Jack Viretel, narrated by David Pitu. It is a great book that taught me a lot about musical theater structure and as well the things that Oklahoma set up as precedent and they would later go on to be the musical theater, like a formula, more or less. Yeah. So to, down- to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com musicals with cheese. Again, that's audibletrial.com musicals with cheese for your free audiobook. Oh, what a the songs um that opening number is so strange especially in the time period that this musical came out
0: it was revolutionary so that 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 was a big big thing at the time um because every musical before that every opening number is a big flashy crazy thing right it's a big spectacle to welcome you to the world of this and it they were making a conscious choice. They were like, we're going to start the show with a lone cowboy and a woman churning butter, and that's it. And just the simplicity of it all. So, um, oh, what a beautiful morning was uh, breaking the mold uh, in that sense as well.
2: And also, it's just, it's so catchy. (laughs) Like It sets up the rules of the lyric writing as well. Like, it's not a meadow, it's a metter Mm -hmm. and all that. I oh, feel like yeah. musically,
1: it also sets up the setting very well. It it has a very mm-hmm. um, like open sound to give that mm-hmm. like uh, on a farm in Oklahoma type feel.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's it's really I think a testament to Hammerstein's lyric writing. He he always just toes the line of being cheesy or, uh, but he always manages to be earnest. And I think the imagery in the song is really interesting. Um, and really beautiful in a lot of ways. While being still, like, simple. Corn is as high as an elephant's mm-hmm. eye. I love that.
2: Um, but it's not an elephant's eye, it's a elephant's uh-huh. eye. Like, little things like that are what yeah. makes the lyrics feel so intentional. Like, yeah. that's kind of it's written for this character. This isn't interchangeable between, like, him and Judd and Allie Hackam and all that other stuff. <laughs> exactly. It comes back a lot throughout the show, and it's it's such a good opening. Like, I don't know how to describe it aside from just really good.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful melody. That's it's, a good way it, to describe it. Yeah, it's just a, it's <laughs> a good opening number, and it, it sets up the world perfectly. And, um, you know, audiences at the time, they didn't know what to expect. They were like, what is this? <laughs> when is this cowboy? <laughs> Where are the dancing girls? Where's the girls? Where's the ladies? Where's the now, Follies if you girls? were to
1: open it, if you were to open it with a big opening number... How should they have done that?
2: Everything's oh up God. to date in Kansas City. Right. <laughs> Just a bunch of
0: cowboys like riding in doing that like Agnes DeMille like straddle jump thing she does in the ballet or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, maybe like something you'd see a few decades later in like Best Little Whorehouse in Texas or something. Some
2: chicks and ducks and geese better spurry when I take you out in the surrey, when I take you out in the surrey with the fringe on top. Watch that fringe and see how it flutters When I drive them high-stepping strutters Nosey pokes will peek through their shutters And their eyes will So the song that follows that I find very interesting and that's the story with the fringe on top which serves simultaneously as an I want song for Lori and Curly (laughs) while also (laughs) setting up the romance. I find that super interesting and the fact that it's not even like the ideal I want song that we know of today.
0: Yeah, it sets up, it's more, it's, it's definitely about setting up their dynamic as as characters, um, how they relate to each other. Um, he he has a Surrey, he rented it and he's just fucking with Lori. He's just fucking with her during the song. And the thing is, cause they have, this is their whole thing. They, they banter, they flirt, they will, they won't, they, they, it's like every 90s rom-com, but in a 1940s musical. Um, And they have fun banter. They do have like some little quips and jabs they give at each other. And it is fun to, it is fun when the actors are good. That's another thing. Like I said, that I think the Hugh Jackman
2: version does Mm -hmm. really well. And I agree. But with this song, like when you get the right performers, you understand what both of them want out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. Like Without them saying a word, like (laughs) I want this, like you understand exactly what they're both aiming for and how she feels and what he's doing this for all that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's all it, it's all about their motivations. Um, you get a real sense of who all three, including Aunt Eller, how all of them are, and what their story is going to be through that first song they do together.
1: And you might even figure out what a Surrey is.
0: <laughs> <Woo-hoo>!
1: I always,
2: <laughs> I always like to joke
1: that that.
0: <laughs> That Greece and Oklahoma end the same way with the two main characters, like, riding off in the vehicle of their dreams.
2: You know what a Suri is to me? Suri is how my dad says Siri, and the, he wonders why they don't understand him when he says, hey, Suri.
0: Oh, I like that. Hey, Suri.
2: He's not a folksy man. He just doesn't know just the difference between Suri sorry. and Siri. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. He's a good man. He's listening right now, so he's probably, like, shitting his pants. <laughs> like, what? Don't mention it. <laughs> Why me? are you putting my what? shit out there? Don't, don't it's talk about me. Siri? It's Siri? Why didn't nobody Siri? tell me? I'm just a girl who
0: can't say no. I'm in a terrible fix. I always say, come on, let's go. Just when I to say <laughs>
1: Um, Let's talk about I can't say no.
0: <laughs> oh. I love this song. Oh, my gosh. It's such a fun song. The
1: revival version of this song is really, really good. Oh, my
0: God. It's so good. She <laughs> sings it, like, exactly how you want it to be with her rip-roaring and yipping. Oh, and, and the ending? Wailing. The way they oh do the God.
1: ending? is. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> all the slides and everything and all our growls. Oh, it's all like, good. I, I love it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and um, I will say I I, I really want to give the revival this, like, you know, Ali Stroker's in a wheelchair, and never once is her wheelchair a thing in the show. It's never a plot element. It's never like, look at Ado Annie in a wheelchair. It's just that the actress is in a wheelchair. So it's completely secondary, third, fourth dairy <laughs> to her performance. Um and there's cute moments where like Will will like hop in the wheelchair with her and she'll like ride off, you know? It's like really cute things like that that I really dig. She's so good in that part. But how does
1: she sit in someone else's lap? She, uh there's the a couple
0: moments where I think Will like picks her up, I think, and like sits him in her lap actually. Um uh, and there are a couple enough. moments like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's great um, and there's ramps all over.
1: Oh, like, fantastic. <laughs> there Just are. like real it's great. Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> All of Oklahoma is handicap accessible.
0: (laughs) Well, I should mention that it looks, the set looks like a, God, it looks like the inside of like, um, like a dance hall or like a A skate park. No, like, uh, (laughs) kind of like what your grandpa's like Eagles club would look like maybe. Um, (laughs) Like, it looks like just a big, like a lot of people, when I show them the pictures, they're like, Oh, it looks like a gym. And, um, yes. and, but up close, the wood isn't like polished. It just looks like plywood put up. So, and there's like gun racks on the walls and that's it. And the lights are up like almost the whole show. It's crazy. Um, so, it, uh, it, so it kind of makes sense that there would be like ramps and she kind of, there's like a big, like kind of vom in the center near the, where the band is. And she kind of just like rolls in and out of that and they put a big ramp around and it's great. It's really great. And anyway, getting back to, I can't say no, She Minimalist. she just like. Oh yeah, and she like sings the crap out of that song.
2: And that song has slowly gotten better and better with every new version. Like the original version is very bad. Like the original yeah. original Broadway version, she's like wringing her hands the entire time, like I uh-huh. can say no. Yes. And then as it gets down like the ninety nine revival version, she's just like her legs are spread. She's yes.
0: Like, I like fuck. Yes. I love that <laughs> one. I love that one. And her hat's like kind of askew, and she's just like sitting in the cornfield. I love that one. Yeah. Every time people kind of, cause there's nothing, I I heard some guy on Facebook who was like, that song is really sexist. And I said, I don't know what is sexist about this song other than like maybe the way you interpret it. Cause there are moments where she's like, every time I lose a wrestling match, I have a funny feeling that I won. And I was like, she's not being pinned down against (sighs) her will, you know, like she's, there because she wants to be so I think uh, it's easy to kind of on the surface misjudge it like I can't say no <laughs> it's like no she's saying she has no self control it's because she wants to bone everybody and like yay let her do it who cares <laughs> I, I think love people
1: it. are looking at it as like a, a male fantasy thing like oh a girl oh, that yeah. can't say no that's perfect well, I'm not <laughs> right? sure that's how it's meant to be uh, I don't think that's how it's meant to be interpreted
0: well yeah, and I think I like know. it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no. I,
0: I think it's like really common for. Well, I mean, like you know, guys are allowed to have sex with whoever they want, and girls are either a slut or, or a prude. And I kind of like yeah, in later versions, it's kind of like she's in charge of her sexuality, and I think that kind of pisses guys off more. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, when I first heard this, I song, liked it. It's was fun. <laughs> I was worried well, about not the you guys. I can't say <laughs> no because mm-hmm. um. The known means no thing that goes on in a lot of sexual assault things like that. That phrasing specifically kind of irked me and p- raised the trigger in the back of my head. Um, of course, sure. I, I've listened to the song a thousand times since that, but I think that's my first like, oh, oh, well, what? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, context matters obviously, and like, yeah, listening to it, if you just like heard the title or a couple lines you, and and seen like like you said like the old hang hand ringing you know forty three version, you might be a little. Like, oh, wait a second. But the latest, uh, obviously, the latest revival version is getting so much traction, and that version is being heard all over the place. And I think people are realizing that it can be a really fun song for women to sing.
1: I think probably the reason they did it that way in the 40s was just that they couldn't do it the other way. Oh, for sure. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I
1: don't think they'd allow them to do that on stage.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, you know, women you know, it had to be a certain way, and if women were sexual, they would be kind of quote-unquote punished for it in the story one way or another. The loose women.
2: And the sun flicks my eyes. It was all a uh, pack I'm awake in a lonely room. I ain't gonna dream about talk about lonely room. This is one of the best villain songs ever. It's a good one. Yeah, the floor crease.
1: He just wants real that things, thing. guys.
0: <laughs> he just doesn't want those little picture cards with those ladies on them. No, he wants a real girlfriend. Yeah, it's it's a good one. It's a shame they cut it out of the movie. Um <clears throat> the the 99 revival that Shuler Hensley does is awesome. Um it's a good song. It really gives you some insight into the character, and it makes him more than just, like, a bad guy.
1: I feel like he starts out a lot more relatable, but then as the show goes on, he just does more and more irredeemable things.
0: Yeah, for sure. I know, he's, like, gonna kill Curly with that little little wonder toy. And
2: that is basically, I think that's a really good way to end Act 1, and I really, I like the idea that Act 1 kind of ends on that song in the new version, like... uh, Yeah, it ends well. It ends with a real big ending.
0: Well, it does. She does sing. They do sing "Out of My Dreams," but they just don't go into the ballet. So she does. She basically just does uh, "Into a Dream with You." Sings the last line of it, or she sings it with the women, and then, um, and it just ends. And then it's almost like the ballet, since it starts the second act, is so completely disconnected from that song, which is, you know, it is what it is.
1: I think the ballet is the most outdated thing in the entire musical, though. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't yeah. feel right. It's so long, and it's not something that you see in newer musicals ever. No. So.
0: No, no, you certainly it does, don't. It just it feels was de-
1: like, oh, what is this?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely a thing in musicals f- during that time period for a while. Um, <clears throat> Carousel has a, it does not a dream ballet, but Carousel has an extended dance sequence, dance, a storytelling sequence in the second act with the daughter. Um, there's some other shows like, oh, I mean, West Side Story obviously starts with a huge dance sequence, but dance is integrated in a kind of a different way in that show. Um, and, uh, I could probably think of some more, but it, it we don't really do that nowadays. We don't have an extended like dance like, a 30-minute dance sequence or 20-minute dance sequence. Uh, Nowadays, dance is a lot more integrated. So I I would agree with that, for sure.
2: Yeah, and I think, like, they even used, like, a dance ballet later in their own, like, work. Like, I hate to say it, but Carousel has an incredible dance ballet used very effectively with the story.
0: Yeah, Carousel has one. Um, Don't think... Oh, well, no, the King and I doesn't really have one. And I don't think unless you count the little small house of Uncle Thomas as one. Um, (laughs) And then South Pacific doesn't really have one either. So, yeah, I mean, I guess those first two. And then a lot of other composer, uh, sorry, musical theater teams and choreographers um, would kind of emulate that. Agnes DeMille was kind of the start of the kind of Broadway choreographer being so integral to the team. um, Like Jerome Robbins would come quickly after that. And then of course, Bob Fosse down the line a little bit farther. But uh, for the time though, like, yeah, it was a a crazy thing to have the dance connected to the story in such a way. Um, And then there are moments in the show where obviously where it's just like, hey, dancing. But every time there is kind of a reason for it, like Kansas City wills like, Hey, let me show you the dance steps that I learned in Kansas city. And then it goes into a huge dance sequence <laughs> or, you know, a, a, I love the, the lasso man, stuff. they
1: do. That's dance. great.
0: Oh yeah. That part's great. Um, and like farmer and the cow man, obviously they're at a barn dance. So it makes sense. They'd all be dancing. So there's a few, uh, many a new day that one kind of goes on forever. Um, but in the revival, yeah. But in there, I also love many new day. I love that song. Um, uh, in the revival, there's only four women in the cast. They whittle all the women down to four actresses. Um, and basically, the woman who plays Gertie, you know, the ah! silly laugh girl, um, she basically plays, like, all the other women in the ensemble. And then there's Aunt Eller um, and Lori and Ado Annie. So I really loved that because when the just the four women are singing, you can really hear the beautiful harmonies in songs like Many a New Day and... Um, Out of my dreams which i liked also in many a new day they were like breaking they were like breaking up corn and throwing it into a pot like they were getting ready for the for dinner and so it was really cool because they were acting they were acting real pissed off and breaking the corn so instead of them flouncing around getting dressed like in the original they're kind of aggressively breaking corn and singing these really cool harmonies so i thought that was neat
2: they're breaking penises all right let's talk about oklahoma (laughs) the um the state song of oklahoma (laughs) When the wind comes right behind the rain Oh, la homa and the night party remember that every night we sing the long and talk and wash our walk, Making lazy circles in the sky.
1: Woohoo it, It's the title song. I think everyone knows this one, right?
0: It's a rip-roaring crowd pleaser.
1: It's a perfect song right before a murder.
0: Well, um it it's so funny, right? Um When Oklahoma came out, it was right. So it was 1943. And it was around the time. I'm not good with dates like this, but it was around when World War II was happening. Um, And so Mm -hmm. soldiers who were coming back um, or who were in New York, let's say on leave or um, or people who had soldiers who were away, they were able to see this musical that was all about a town or a community that could have looked like theirs. Um, And so that was one of the big reasons why it was such a hit at the time was it kind of reminded like the boys of their home um, while they were at war. And so songs like Oklahoma really took off like that um, because they were just so representative of like that American thing. And uh, yeah, so and that song has been kind of a standard ever since, obviously.
2: Andrew,
1: what do you think of the song? What do I think of Oklahoma, the song? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a fun <laughs> song. It doesn't have like you know that much relevance, I don't think. I think it's just kind of a fun thing to sing.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's really just kind of like sing along. <laughs> I think it's fun when you can tell someone has done Oklahoma because they always sing the backup parts in Oklahoma. They do the yippee eyes and Ooh. the <laughs> Oklahoma, Oklahoma. That's always
1: a hoot. Okay, so uh, we're going to move to a different segment that I think is still relatively new for us, but...
2: It's trivia time, guys! Yeah!
1: Jess, you're the current reigning champion, is that correct?
2: Um, yeah, I guess. I keep coming back to this show. Is that correct? You won the last one? I did not. Remember, Angelina won. Did you not win the last one?
1: Oh, shoot, you lost the (laughs) last one. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I think you're also gonna lose this one. Yeah, I think I'm gonna lose it too. I've got a feeling. <laughs> I think the first question's gonna go to our guest. I am ready. Uh here is Jess's question for you. Uh in what state did Oklahoma exclamation point originally open? New
0: York State? Did it have an out-of-town tryout? Um,
1: <laughs> Yes, it did.
0: Uh then Connecticut.
1: So, which answer are we going with, Jess? She got All it Right, <laughs> uh, Connecticut was correct. Ah. So, with Connecticut being Trium- correct, that means you actually get the point here. Jess, are you ready for your question?
2: I am, I think.
1: What were the names of the actor actress who played Laurie and Curly in the 1950s film version of Oklahoma? Uh,
2: uh, it was Shirley Jones and, uh, John Raitt. Oh, that's so close! (laughs) Oh oh, no! It's
0: not John Rate, but that's an interesting connection. Gordon McRae.
2: Oh shit! Yes, you confused him with John John Rate.
0: Yes, yes. John Ah. Rate played Billy. So, what what was the the correct
1: answer here? Does he get half a point? I'm going to say no. That's not half a point. He gets no points for that. I get no points. I lose.
0: That's your call.
1: (laughs) All right, that is my call, and I'm making it all right, all right. so we're gonna go to the one next question we do qu- two questions so if you get this you basically win because Jess can't won't be able to come back <laughs> <laughs> all right um uh this is a true or false question uh the movie version of Oklahoma was filmed in Oklahoma
0: false I feel like it has to be false because then why would we ask
1: it is false you got it uh can you guess where it was filmed oh Mm, texas okay that's not correct that wasn't actually the question though so you got the question right uh it was arizona
0: oh so that makes sense even closer to hollywood
1: i lose
2: you know what else is very important andrew what's that that today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible oh, oh, is offering a I free audio book with a 30-day free trial just, membership. Just are go are to audibletrial.com com Cheese <laughs> and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free uh, and start listening. Tis that easy? Go to audibletrial.com I, <laughs> slash with cheese Yes. Just... <laughs> he just turns. I feel it like on. you could he put
0: Audible into, into the. You could put it into the pick a little, talk a little song. Audible, audible, audible,
2: audible, 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 you know, from the music band.
1: That's a good idea. See, she has the good ideas, Jess. Why don't you think of this?
2: You know what? Ah. She won the trivia game, so why don't
1: you just take her or put her on the show? All right. You're oh. the new co-host. No. Jess is out of here.
0: Yes. Bye, Jess.
1: <laughs> All right, everyone. We're
0: going to talk about Sondheim now. We're going to talk about Sondheim.
1: Excellent. We don't do enough of that.
0: Oh, God. All day, every day.
2: (laughs) Emily, why don't you tell us a little (laughs) bit about your show and promote all your stuff?
0: Okay, sure. Yeah. So, I have a show on YouTube called Stealing Focus, where I review movie and TV musicals with the help of my roommates, one of which is a little furry green puppet named Gerald. And uh, we love to talk about uh, movie musicals, but we're also spinning off into some other stuff. We do real thoughts vlogs. Um, We're also going to be starting a series probably just this month called Give My Regards To, dot, dot, dot. And uh, we do musical theater history lessons in each episode. And we will be talking some Rodgers and Hammerstein. And uh, the reason why I had the Pulitzer Prize thing on my head is we're we're doing an episode of all the musicals that have won the Pulitzer Prize, because there's only been nine. So, uh, you know, I could talk about this stuff all day, every day. So I'm on YouTube and um, Twitter at Emily A.B. Clark. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I live.
2: that's great um I, I love your stuff i i recommend it quite a bit um i think that if everyone who enjoys the show they would definitely enjoy the stuff that you do it's really top notch. know who else i want to thank i want to thank the listener for listening and yeah. being awesome <laughs> and
1: if you would yes. please that's true um, though
2: rate us on spotify um itunes stitcher we're all there at musicals with cheese leave us reviews we need more reviews we're trying to hit 200 by the end of the year so come on folks
1: I Woo-hoo, thought it was 100. Now it's 200. Well, I'm
2: gonna, I'm boosting it up with everything. You got,
1: got to raise your standards, or else we need 200 reviews, or Jess will die.
2: <laughs> oh, poor Jess is dead. <laughs> I hung himself up in the old barn house.
1: <laughs> oh, Jess, I'm sorry, we even didn't get 200 reviews, hole. but that was a really, that's a really nice looking, uh, nice looking rope behind you there. Oh. You know what you could use that for? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the
0: easiest falling uh, off the wall. We're lung. also
2: on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we're also on twitter <laughs> at cheesy musicals our patreon we have so many wonderful patrons over at patreon we're at musicals with cheese on instagram at musicals with cheese follow us on the youtube page musicals with cheese um our email is musical at gmail.com go give us some attention there also check out our brand new website musicals with it looks wonderful Woo-hoo! i put a lot of work into it so why don't you go on there
0: I'm going oh now.
2: <laughs> yeah, go now. <laughs> oh my goodness, go. <laughs> Our title card is created by Jolene Casco. Follow her on Instagram at Jolene Casco. All right, Yay. you guys. I think that's all we got to say about Oklahoma. Woo,
0: where the wind comes oh. sweeping down the plane. <laughs> it's hard when there's a all delay.
1: Right. <laughs> it's true we'll
2: see you next time (laughs) on musicals (laughs) with cheese
0: oh what a beautiful barn